to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's asked is Obi-Wan telling Anakin he's got the high ground. I mean, that one was good, but I mean, you know, Vader chopping his own son's hand off, like, you know, I think that could top it off in my mind. Oh, pretty fair, man. But, you know, may the 4th be with you today, because, you know, May 4th. <laughs> Classic Star Wars day out here. If you haven't watched some Star Wars content, go do it. But first, stick right here, watch us. We got lots of basketball to talk about. First things first, Matt. Oh, yeah. Let's go about these takes, because, man, I had so much confidence in Sacramento. And they fell flat to Bro. championship pedigree in the end. Golden State, Steph Curry did what they did. I'm upset, but you can't be mad when Curry does what Curry does. Look, man, I told you Sacramento was not going to win a round. They did a lot better than I anticipated them doing, man. Like, they really looked like they could have been the better team. They just unfortunately came up against one of the top 10 players in the NBA. You know, it's NBA history, really. And he is legendary that performance was legendary i will say this though about the sacramento kings in game seven man like get a rebound just a rebound please one maybe, maybe one we'll, we'll we'll get into it more when we talk about this series but yeah i was talking to austin about this thing and i was like they win this series if they can just win the game on the boards which they did in game six but ugh, i don't, don't want to get too ahead of myself i don't, I don't want to think about it too much should we talk about Denver? Because Matt over here might be the ultimate genius. Slowly and surely, Denver's just trucking along over there. I don't know, man. There's something like even before the playoffs started that like I just felt like Denver, it was their year. Kind of reminds me of the Giannis year. Um, they like, they snub him for the MVP because he just can't win it again. And then, you know, he goes on and he proves that he is the best player in the world by winning the, the NBA championship and winning finals MVP. Though, I'm not going to lie. Jamal Murray, man, has been pretty phenomenal these playoffs and uh, is showing that, like, he is a true superstar when playoff time shows up. When you think about the way that Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs decided to just, you know, snuff out their run, like, it looks like Jamal Murray was that guy when it comes to that bubble duel that they had, you know, just a couple of years ago. But, yeah, man, we'll see. We'll see what Denver can do. We'll get back to it. Let's talk a little, a little bit Raptors right now. Let's get them out of the way real quick because not a lot of news, but... As we discussed, you know, on the last time we were talking on this pod, came true. Nick Nurse was fired literally the next morning. Kind of crazy, but probably the right step for our organization to take. Dude, it was it was definitely the right step for our organization to take. Unfortunately for Nick is that he just wasn't wasn't the right guy for us at this moment. Um, you know, whether that be because of his playing style, maybe he got a little bit too big for his bridges immediately. Um, you know, you come into the league, you win a championship, you're instantly regarded as a top five coach in the NBA. Yeah. You know, you, you know, it, it's hard to take a humble pill, especially when, um, you guys aren't playing well, right. It's hard to say that like, maybe it is my system. He's thinking it's his players. And I think that that really came out in the Maasai press conference is that there was a very, you know, differing opinion on what this roster was capable of. Mm -hmm. And Maasai sees it being capable of competing for, you know, at least to be in the playoffs and and to be a, a, you know, contender, quote unquote. Whereas Nick was was thinking like, no, there's no chance I can't do it with this talent. So, yeah, I think it was I think it was a good move for the franchise, to be honest. There was a disconnect at the end pretty pretty obvious 
And so for me, I wanted to like do a little experiment to kind of see what happened to see if the rumors of maybe him losing the locker room and losing the respect to the guys were true. So I went back and I looked at, uh, you know, the, the Raptors do this like, you know, open gym show on YouTube. And I went back mm-hmm. and I looked at the open gym runs during the championship. And Nick always does that thing after games where he brings everyone together and they do raps on three. And if you go look at those championship times, everybody is in on those huddles. Everyone's connected. Everyone's there. I watched the last episode of Open Gym, which got released after he got fired. And you watch some of the huddles when he pulls the guys together. And you see guys like Precious. You see some of these guys that weren't getting the minutes. They weren't part of the rotation. Some of them don't even stand up. Some of them don't go to put their hand in. Like, there's a disconnect. Something was happening. And, you know, the rumors that I hear is that apparently the whole coaching roster might be getting overhauled, depending on who gets brought in. Like, at the end of the day, you know, whether or not anybody on the roster actually changes for our players, because, you know, we're still hoping for some little tweaks here and there. The coaching system is going to be completely different next year. That's a fact. So regardless of who we bring in, regardless of how things are, Scotty, hopefully OG, you know, the boys that are still around are going to be getting what is almost a fresh start going into next season. So that gives me a lot of hope as a fan. Yeah, I think that it's nice to have a fresh start, especially for those players who were kind of glued to the bench and, you know, Nick just wasn't willing to utilize in any kind of sense of the word. I also think that the idea of, um, you know, really erring on the side of player development is where our our you know organization needs to be focused with coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear that you know the the development has kind of fallen off over the last few years early 2010s you know to the late 2010s up until our championship run we're regarded as one of the best teams at player development you know we had success stories with Kyle Lowry with DeMar DeRozan with Pascal Siakam with Fred Van Vliet with Norman Powell like and the list goes on and on Mm -hmm. and you look at the last five years since Nick has you know really taken over as head of that player development cog and I think we've almost seen regression um Delano Banton was a better player in his first game than he he was this season yeah Uh, Malachi Flynn has seemed to lost all confidence you know he got Precious to come up and then Precious completely crashed this year so I think that that also has a a big underlying factor in it. And I think that that is something that we need to focus on because unfortunately, even though we're the third largest city in North America, even though we get all the amenities and all the perks and, and, you know, pomp and circumstance that other big, big markets get, we're just not a free agent destination. And like, we can't rely on getting free agents the other thing that really kind of bothers me is hearing about Otto Porter Jr. coming back. Like, we should just release that guy. Like, no, <laughs> I understand that, like, he could add something to our roster, but, like, so could a ghost. He's, he's Hey, look, he's the biggest free agent signing the Toronto Raptors have ever had. I hate now that I can say that, and I was excited to say that back in the day, but, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, underscore my point. A, exactly, right? Like, so there's some things happening. You know, to flip it to the whole coaching search, like, Obviously, Ime got hired, and so Ime is not available anymore. He went to go join the Rockets, which is now like, is Nurse going to go to where? Is he going to the Bucks? Like, that's a conversation for another day. But in terms of who's going to fill that hole in our coaching spot, I don't think that there is a an amazing option. There isn't that coach that is just waiting in the wings to come in. There isn't a, a young name who's ready to come up and make a name for himself. 
and that's why the names that are coming out are really interesting because some of them are narrative driven. Some of them are like, Hey, maybe this guy will coach the Raptors. He could do it. Right. Like it's so yeah. interesting. And at the end of the day, Matt and I have agreed. We just want somebody who can come in, give a nice fresh start player development, as you mentioned, and can hopefully take these guys to where they need to be because the potential for this roster is there. We know that. Absolutely, man. And we need a, we need a coach that isn't going to bring a circus with them. We need a coach that is going to, you know, make it more about the players than it is about them. Uh, and I think, again, Nick lost kind of sight of that with yeah. his popularity in Canada. Um, and then we need a coach that, again, is, is is about the development, is about this team and has their respect and can earn their respect quickly because we need guidance in that room. Mm-hmm. And especially if we do what I think we might do over the summer, because Masai hinted at some pretty large changes coming to the roster. Yeah. I, he said it without really saying it. And, and again, it's the NBA. He can only do you know what's available and there's, there's only so much, but it does sound like he's interested in really shaking things up on this mm-hmm. team. And, and, you know, you think about the potential options of who's going to come in, right? The lower end of it, you know, Kenny Atkinson, he's an established coach in the league. You know, he could come in and, and maybe bring some things in. Griffin, you know, he knows he knows how our system works, you know, so it could be the answer. Hammond is the interesting one for me because on the one hand, I love the idea of giving, you know, a woman coach her first job in the NBA to potentially have the storyline that could come out of it. But as you mentioned, Matt, like we want the focus to be about this team and this players. And unfortunately with Becky, there's more to it, right? The conversation of the 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 amazingness of, of her getting the job of can she get the respect in the locker room, right? The, the comments from earlier that, that Matt was saying, like, it's just, it doesn't seem like the focus will be entirely on basketball. And that, I think, is where we need to stay. Yeah, and her comments to the media about the job, it I mean, you can take it multiple ways. If you want to take it in the, the way that she maybe is not interested, then she shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be pursuing her. Mm-hmm. Because we want we need to have somebody who is interested in coaching our players and who wants to build them up. And again, she brings that big hoopla circus, which I don't think the team needs that distraction, you know, day in, day out next season when we're just trying to, you know, bring it back to being a a respected franchise in this league. Because really, like this year, the Tampa season, it did a lot of damage to bring us back to, you know, the the old Raptors, the the Lebronto team, you know? And and if you think about it as well, right, like we've gone through two extended errors of coaching right with nick nurse and with Dwayne casey and i wasn't really around you know i wasn't really old enough for the times before that but if nick nurse is the most winningest coach that we've had what does that say about the coaches before Dwayne casey right and so like we want to find that stability not you know a rotating door of coaches to come in now because when you have a guy like scotty you need the development to hit while he's still at the younger age yeah and he, I think we need to change the roster over to him. Um, I guess I'll wrap it up, wrap chat with like the idea that we need to really flip everything over to Scotty mm-hmm. because this franchise is only going to go as far as he can take us from here. Pascal Siakam and, and Fred Van Vliet, they've had three plus years of really solid runs at trying to be the two guys to take us back to the promised land. And they just, 
you know, they've had all NBA seasons. They've been all stars. They've looked great, but there's something about their chemistry, the way that they, you know, play in the playoffs. That's just not conducive to us winning. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately I just, I think that it needs to be Scotty's team. You know? Well, and I also want to look at her history of success, right? People can be upset about Vince and all the decisions that he made, but look how Chris Bosh absolutely flourished when he left. Look at how DeMar flourished when Chris left, right? Like, it's time. The torch, it's ready to go. We're into the next generation. Everybody knows that Scotty is the future of this team, and so let's go. It's it's Scotty's season. We're, we'll, we'll come back to the wraps as exciting things happen over the next few weeks, but... Outside of that, it's NBA playoff time, my friend, and we've been we've been eating pretty good over here. One last thing on the on the rap subject: yeah, trading yeah. Siakam and Fred Van Vliet going to give us some good assets to put around Scotty Barnes, true. and like something that we need. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I, I can't argue with you there. But let's roll into the NBA now because the first round is officially over. It was a good time. We had some seriously crazy upsets, which is, you know, the having two lower seeds come out on each side is pretty insane to happen. The Bucks collapse, you know, Jimmy doing what he's doing. Like, there's so many ways to go here. Bro, like, okay, one, it's kind of cool. This is the first year in NBA history that they've had all eight seeds in the second round of the playoffs. Yo, one I didn't even know that. Eight to make it. Um, that's pretty cool. That's um, sick. the fact that it wasn't just the predictable, yeah. you know, one beat eight, two beat seven, three beat six, you know, garbage that we normally get in the yeah. NBA. Cause that is typically the first round in the NBA. It was kind of like hockey almost yeah. like in terms of like the ability to upset in terms of the fact that you didn't know who was going to win on a specific night. Like, I think that's, that's really great for the game. That is, and it also underscores the level of talent in the league, Yeah. right? It's not all just concentrated at the top. Even the lower seeds have some of the most talented players in the NBA, which is just awesome to see, man. Like Jimmy Butler may not be a top five regular season player, but when it comes to the playoffs, oh yeah, he might be number one. Like especially, he was, especially with a coach like Spo behind him, right? Like the two of them buddy, together. He, oh, he was so good in that first round. Like we could start there, man. Like I'm down. First one versus eight upset. Like, jeez, it's yeah. it's got to be the biggest story of the of the first round so far. So it's only fair that we we start here. And yes, tons of factors. So many different things that you could pinpoint and find of why the Milwaukee Bucks lost this series. But if we don't start with Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra, we're doing the Miami Heat a disservice. Because that shot to take them into overtime is one of the most ridiculous shots that you will see a player make in the NBA. Now, the whole situation of should he or shouldn't he have had that shot is another question. But Jimmy Buckets has been him. If anyone in the NBA right now can make that statement, it's that guy. And man, was it impressive against the Bucks. He man, he was phenomenal. Like what? He dropped like three 40-point games in that five-game series. He yeah. dropped um like he was just a monster. And he yeah, yes, you can argue whether or not the strategy should have been different around him, how you should have attacked him, but he did what he did and he did it against what was one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. I think they were actually the best defensive team in the NBA this year. And he torched them, man, without Tyler hero, without anybody else being able to, you know, buy a bucket, 
he just went to work and he he got them that victory and it really really kind of shines a light on Giannis's inability to supersede hierarchy he likes the hierarchy so much yeah. that he he can't you know take it in himself he's too respectful to go up to you know bud or drew and just say look guys we're getting torqued i'm right. taking him i'm i'm him i'm that guy and that's you know one of the biggest knocks that's going to be thrown against him and it was a huge knock against lebron for a really long time that mm-hmm. you know you're not that challenger of kind of guy and it's just sad to see man and you, you know, know that hurts honest. you know that hurts because he got injured and he missed you know two games now ironic that the one game that the bucks won in the series was without Giannis. but the fact of the matter yeah. is that if he doesn't get injured maybe they do figure that earlier maybe by game five Giannis is like this is stupid jimmy can't be doing two in a row at 40 i know i can stop this and he breaks that threshold but that's the world we don't live in, right? We live in the world where things happened. Unfortunately, Mike Budenholzer lost a family member right before game four. And anybody who can go back and watch that series, with hindsight now, you'll go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, this moment here, that moment here. Like, people clown Budenholzer for his, uh, you know, not using his timeouts at the end of the games. You know what? We've clowned Budenholzer enough in the past for all his other decisions. I'm not going to clown him on this one because, yeah, there was other factors. But it is the interesting situation of when life gets in the way, you have to find the right solution for you. And the right solution for you, whether it's good for you or not, is good. But you can't let it be detrimental to your work environment, to everything around it. And you can't. we cannot stand here and say that because of what happened to Budenholzer didn't affect the outcome of that series. Because it did, unfortunately. No, it, it absolutely had an effect on it. And I think that what it underscores um, is his uh, lack of making correct decisions in the biggest moments. Yeah. Um, that, you know, like you said, that that was maybe the right decision for him, you know, to, to go out there and coach and, and get his mind off of it. And I can only imagine what he was going through. And I, I you know, I feel horrible for him that that, that happened. You, nobody wants that to happen. But you need to be able to put the team and the goals of your work environment, especially in such a public scrutinized place. Like, you know, if you're you know working a minimum wage job, if you're working a salary job under a hundred K a year, like, yeah, put yourself first. Like, you know, it's not a public thing, but this guy gets paid millions of dollars a year to, to put the team's interest above his own. Mm-hmm. And I think he really, you know, made the wrong decision there, which goes back to like the two years leading up to the championship everyone was saying that he should get fired they said that if he doesn't win this year he would get fired they go and they win in a bubble where or not it wasn't a bubble but in a it was kind of half bubble and in an environment where like didn't have fans at least the beginning so it's still a weird year yeah yeah and LeBron, you know, and AD broke down, didn't actually get to the finals. Yep. Um, so who wouldn't, who knows if, you know, the Bucks win, if, if it's a normal circumstance of a year and in the next two years, you've regressed as a franchise. Like, yes, losing to Boston last year was a tough one. And, and they were that close without yep. Chris Middleton, but this year in this fashion, I love Giannis. And I understand the, the concept that, you know, he wants to live in a world where in his mindset, there is no, no failures. There's only going forward. And I think that's a healthy mindset to live in, mm-hmm. you know, that failures are only lessons that there's no such thing as failure. 
but unfortunately to the mass public and to the majority of people watching right sucked it, and and there's so there's so many things as well right you talk you you look at a guy like Bobby Portis who was absolutely insane at the beginning of that series who was very important in that game 2 victory he played like 14 minutes in the last game he went from playing 25, 26, 27 minutes down to the end, you know. Their rotation guys that needed to come in and do certain things to solve their problems, there just wasn't change, which unfortunately was a static that we've seen in Budenhoser. So the Bucks have some really tough decisions to make when it comes down to it because this is a defining moment in a player like Giannis's career where he either is going to get back to the championships or he's not, right? And it's hard to say that because, like, Chris is getting older. Drew is getting older. You know, the team around them is aging around Giannis. The window Brooke is closing. Lopez. You think about, you, I don't even mention, yeah, Brooke Lopez. How long can he keep being Splash Mountain, right? Like the yeah. window, and you have to take advantage when it does. And this was the team absolutely falling flat. And so they have to make some big decisions. Yeah. And you know what? Hopefully, you know, we said this last time the contract was coming up to an end, but hopefully it pushes them to the Raptors. Maybe let's go. One, one um, dream. Okay, I, before we move away, I do want to ask about your opinions on Giannis's comments because I'm sure you've seen his post game. You know where the failure one. Yeah, the failure comment. The, yeah, the idea of how the season isn't a failure, and there's been tons of you know Shaq coming in and saying, you know, it was a failure. This that you know we hold ourselves to a higher level. Like, I really like where Giannis is coming from. I don't, yeah. I don't fully agree because there's still failure. But I hate the. But I do agree with him that I hate the idea of the question being asked. I I can say that for sure. Yeah, I I think that like again, when you sign up to be in the public spotlight like he is, he has to answer that question and it has to be asked. Um, and again, I I just think that he's coming from a place where he doesn't live in a world of failure. Like, yeah. um, it's a it's a mindset thing. I'm actually trying to you know give myself that mindset. It's that you don't fail unless you stop trying. Kobe Bryant talked about this, right? Like Kobe Bryant said that there is no failure in life. Mm -hmm. There's like only getting better because failure only truly happens if it stops you from achieving what you want to achieve. Yeah. And I think that for Giannis, he's saying to himself, well, next year I'm coming back and I'm coming harder. I'm coming hungrier um to to miss as many free throws in game seven the way that he did after yep. you know his crowning achievement was the free throws like it's just it's it, it might push him to be that better player and and mm. to really you know get it there but i just think that like i think he's hit his ceiling i just i he's so good man how can you get better from here like i understand right. the free throws and all that stuff but he's been in the nba for yeah. 10 years now almost like if it was going to get fixed, it would have been fixed. Okay. He, he's actually regressed. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, as the pressure is mounting. So, no, I, I hate that idea that, that he has to answer that question. But, like, that is the world that we live in, man. He can't live in his own world. He's got to live in the real world with the rest of us. That's it, right? And and I was, I like, such a good such a good response from Giannis, right? Like, people, like, me members can clown him for saying this and that. But, like. He got an, an emotional response out in a very, very professional manner. And I hate, oh, yeah. the, I hate the question, the idea, is this season a failure? Because the guy isn't asking the question for the yes or no. He wants the response of then Giannis talking about why they failed, why they didn't get to their goal. That's what he really wants. And so the question, was this season a failure, is a stupid question. Is a stupid question. The answer to that question is a fantastic possibility. And Giannis 
knocked it out of the park for sure in my opinion look everybody knows that it's a failure <laughs> everybody watching knows that it's a failure like they just do you know it's uh, lebron losing in the finals to steph curry even though he was shorthanded it's it's a failure and it's yeah. going to be held against him for the rest of time mm-hmm. was it truly a failure no not really he got there man like <laughs> he got there hobbled and and broken down teams yeah so like i get it, where Jonas is coming from but like again it's just like we live in a world where everybody is is creating it and not everybody shares the view that failure doesn't exist. So. Right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm happy with that series. We can talk more Miami when we talk about their second round. Do you want to stay in the East? Should we just move down the table? Where where you want to go? Yeah, man. I'm I'm down to talk about how um I mean, the Boston Celtics, man, as great as they are, they sometimes just give it away. Like to let the Hawks get that close yeah, is just after going up, what, they were up 3-0, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's not, like, that's what Philadelphia did last year with us. You know, like, you don't do that. Like oh, no, that they, shows... they weren't up 3-0. Uh, Hawks stole game three, and then they stole oh, game okay. five. My apologies. Oh, okay. But still, right. the narrative is still the same. Was Boston going... We won game one and game two. This series is over. We've got all these games left. We'll make it happen. And this is where, I mean, I don't worry for the Boston Celtics because, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be upset when, with, if and when him. they lose, obviously. But, like, this is where I look at their coaching situation and I go, dang, maybe Ime really was that guy. Because you think about what that team was able to go through last year, being as bad as they were as struggling as they were in the beginning of the season where everybody and their mother was saying that you need to separate these two stars. They can't work together. Jalen and Jason, it's not going to work. And then Ime was like, and they literally were that close to winning it all, being that close to the NBA Finals, right? And so this is where I I worry for Joe Mazzula. I worry for this team, whether he doesn't have the same, you know, like energy to him. Obviously, as you mentioned, he's not the same defensive-minded focus that Ime has. And Boston is this team that, on paper, has everything that you need and should need to win a title. But those those two games against Atlanta where they won, it's where you see this team is that close to slipping up, that close to just falling away from it, right? And we've seen that in the past with so many teams, and Boston really needs to make it happen because if they have this many times where they get this close, this close, this close, and keep falling short that's that's kind of it's a, it's a mentality that the players just kind of get stuck in right and the jalen brown thing is real right like he doesn't sound too happy there um and if they keep losing like what's the point of him staying and, and being the second fiddle on a team that that can't get there right i read a, I read so, a report this morning about how jalen brown might be a toronto raptor and i'm like i'm sorry what what they're in the playoffs why are we talking about this like I would love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, as long as we don't have to give up. I mean, hell, we, I could give up Siakam for Brown, and I'd be okay with it, you know? Um, but um, just the only thing that, like, really gives me, like, the, the idea that Boston could win this whole thing is I think they are the most talented team left in in the the playoffs like i think over the lakers over the nuggets over golden state i think you know one through eight all the rotation players that are gonna get minutes yep. are just so good like you look at last night's game and i know i'm jumping into the second round here but 
Jason Tatum scored seven points. He was one of seven. Mm-hmm. And they, like, it was a 30 slap, 40 slap almost. Like, yeah. it wasn't even close. Team and basketball. they had Joel Embiid back, you know? Team basketball. And I think that's, you know, they'll get there. I think Boston is definitely the team to watch out for in the East. There's a reason why the statistics say you have to be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense to win a title. There's very few teams that have been able to do it with it. Boston has that on paper, right? But again, what you don't hear in that statistic, you hear the statistic of you have to be a top 10 of this and that to make it and be a champion. What you don't hear is that the number of teams that were a top 10 of both that fell short, that didn't make it all the way. That maybe not all faced another 10 and 10 team, but they got complacent, right? And so this is the battle that Boston now has to face is can they get through an MVP Joel Embiid? Can they stop a vintage James Harden's game in this series, right? We'll we'll get into that, that. We'll get into the second round later. But yeah, Boston, you know, they got through Atlanta and it was enough to say the least, right? Yeah. I mean, like, unlike the 76ers, who absolutely just rolled the Nets. They didn't even need Joel Embiid in the last game there. And they just, you know, stomped out through. Poor poor Brooklyn, man. I feel like in game four, they were just already defeated, like, before the game even started. Look, there was only two ways that the narrative was going to go for Brooklyn. Either they were going to win a championship and then have to offer KD and Kyrie a ring, which would never happen, or they were going to go out in the first round. That was just the fact of the matter. We talked about how... Maybe Mikhail could steal a game. They just, they didn't have enough, man. As we mentioned, Philly was just better. (laughs) They just had better situations all around. And yeah, like I forgot that this series existed. I actually have no notes for it. It's just, it's, it's done. That was how quick it was. Kind of crazy. Dude, it was, it was such a quick beat down. Like it's, I feel bad for the Nets because I really like Mikael Bridges. I think that he's a great player, and he proved this year that he can be a number one option on a like a decently competitive team, which is like great for him and his value in this league. But yeah, just kind of, but it's what we expected. All right, well let's <laughs> let's talk about the last East series then, the exciting one that turned into a not exciting one to a route. Cavs Knicks four one for the Knicks. The series that of any of these we expected to go to seven, like. I'm pretty sure I made a comment, Matt, the last time we recorded about how, you know, the Knicks came out in game one and the Cavs had won game two. And I was like, maybe this series is over because the Cavs have finally proved themselves. I was completely in the wrong direction because they fell flat after game two. It was insane. Dude, I, it, it is insane. And I think the insanity comes from the fact that, like, you think that Donovan Mitchell is so much better than Jalen Brunson. I mean, the eye test at least tells you that he is. But I think that the key for their battle back and forth is Jalen isn't as athletic and therefore needs to execute at yeah. a much higher rate throughout his plays. Whereas Donovan, like we like he's so athletic that if something breaks down, he can, you know, make a quick cut here, you know, leap out of his shoes there and make plays based on that ability. So his focus you know, to, to execute and to make the, the right play yeah. wanes. And I think that we just saw that, like, being as aggressive as Jalen Brunson was at, you know, dominating, yep. executing, and Donovan kind of just being a little bit more lackadaisical, like, it just really hurt them, man. And they could not get their offense going against this Knicks team. Like, the Knicks... I don't know what they were doing defensively, yeah. but they were 
killing them. They something happened. Tom Thibodeau figured something out after game two because to hold the Cavs to seventy nine points in game three in a playoff game it is absolutely ridiculous. You know, hats off to the New York Knicks. R.J. Barrett was playing fantastic at the end of this series. Like, I was joking that the Knicks have that dog in them. Like, I got excited for them to go face Jimmy in the second round because, like, it felt like they have that dog in them. The group of guys, you know, coming together with R.J., with Brunson, with uh, Randall, who's dealing with an injury and is still playing pretty decently. Like, as much as it doesn't make sense, it's a good, it's a good story. It's a good feeling, man. You know, Mecca, you know, New York Knicks, the garden, like everyone enjoys watching Stephen A lose his mind right now, you know, thinking that the Knicks are going to be legit. Right. But we are this close to potentially seeing the Knicks in a conference final. Okay. It could happen. That's the crazy part. Do you want to know what like the really crazy part is though? Is that like they can make the conference finals and next year I still wouldn't make them pick them to make the finals. <laughs> no, no. i'm sorry like it just kind of is the way it is like at the end of the day um like there's the the league flips so fast right now and i think jalen brunson is great and i think he's playing out of his mind and he looks like a true nba superstar and the only thing that kind of counteracts where i'm going with this is the earlier point that he executes at such a high level on a consistent basis yeah but what happens when he does lose a little bit of that extra athletic step he is 27 years old and the prime of his career he is a smaller guard and I think that it isn't super sustainable for him to be a number one option on a championship team for the next five years. And I, you know, if they came up against Boston or the 76ers next round, I don't think it's a very competitive series. I think like, I just, I don't. Well, and it's, it's funny because you can look at the Knicks history themselves and you can see it. Two years ago, we were talking about Julius Randle for MVP and how, oh, this is amazing. The Knicks are here. This is going to be it. And then he came out and they had, I'm sorry, last year was trash, trash for the Knicks, right? Who's to say that we're not on this part of the roller coaster for this team, right? And they're about to go back down to that bottom hump. So like, yeah, we don't have, we don't have faith in this Knicks team, but I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to enjoy the ride while it's there because there's something about Knicks games and like famous people liking show up. Like I love, you know, with the Knicks games and the Lakers games, how it's like the stars are out in attendance. They're just like panning the camera at all these famous people. And I'm like, can I watch basketball, please? Seriously? Yeah, I don't I'm not here watching for the stars. I don't care who's in the arena. I want to see who's on the court. Thank you very much. The Cavaliers <laughs> are in an interesting place, right? To talk about them really quickly, because you could think of this as a fluke, right? They're still young, they're still figuring things out. Evan Mobley. Man, he disappeared at the end of this series. Man, he disappeared. And that's that's really tough to see as a Cavs fan. But again, they're young. They're coming together. This is your first year with Donovan Mitchell. Like, They were great through the regular season. So we're really interested to see where the rest of it can come together. I don't think the Cavs are in trouble. I think they're going to be fine. It was just a, a tough start, you know? Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, I just don't think that they're going to to figure it out i I honestly think that this kind of showed that maybe um they need to they do something else because donovan was still like decent darius garland was okay but you're right evan mobley like shrank jared allen wasn't great like i'm really surprised the knicks beat them man like i'm really really shocked about it so i don't know where the Cavs go from here but we'll see 
it's that's it right you don't want to break too much down to this series specifically because of what happened with the knicks but let's move let's move out of the east unless you want to talk about the eastern second rounds before we go to the west no we could do the we could do the west first round man i think that it's gonna be pretty pretty quick because you know the nugget the nuggets just prove that um the wolves just they shouldn't be um in the playoffs and they uh definitely should not have traded for rudy gobert Oh man, yeah. The only thing I have Anthony to say Edwards. is that 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 Rudy Gobert trade is going to go down notoriously in history. And Anthony Edwards is that guy, though. We we can admit that Anthony Edwards is 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 pretty baller on the court. He frustrates me. He frustrates me. He's got all the talent in the world. He just doesn't want to use it. He doesn't want to be disciplined enough to 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 execute it. Um, that's kind of the underscoring thing for me is that yeah, he might be. I think he might be the most talented young guard in the NBA in terms of just raw physical tools and what he can do on the basketball court. Yeah. But in terms of character and personality, I just don't think he'll, he'll ever be it. Maybe, I don't think. I was going to say, maybe he'll no. look at what's happening with John Morant and he'll try to get a little bit ahead of the game, you know? Yeah, I just. I know. You are who you are, man. I think, like, unfortunately, like, that's just his personality is, is to be a little bit more lackadaisical. And he just he kind of is straight up yeah yeah nothing else i need to say about this series we knew the nuggets were coming out we'll talk about the nugs in second round should we talk about the suns and clippers game the other four one get that one out of the way because this was a series that could have been amazing probably show that the suns maybe aren't as strong as they think they are and most importantly was the russell westbrook revival series the situation of wow Kawhi leonard is him but he's actually hurt and can't play okay russ you got this and russ looked really good in those last few games it was kind of awesome bro all i want to say is that russell westbrook can still be awesome and it was so amazing for me as a true diehard russell westbrook fan to watch him go out and and play the way that he did and and to be as competitive as they were no they did not win but man was he fun to watch and he was not any part of the reason that they did not win those games and it it sucks but hey if they had Kawhi leonard and paul george we'd be talking about a completely different series and my my whole narrative that i had coming into the playoffs with the three of them went in for the clippers it would have been beautiful and it makes me happy to know that it definitely would have been possible if they were healthy for sure but again this is the nba playoffs it comes down to being healthy and the the suns just had more better players to put on the court at the end of the day and isn't it kind of crazy that like Kawhi leonard potentially you know choosing the clippers in free agency was the best thing that ever happened to the raptors franchise (laughs) like it's it's scary we would like to think though that under our supervision he wouldn't be this hurt right that's 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 the dream that's the hope but yeah it's clippers gonna clip man they're cursed they're they they've got their rounds to deal with but yeah let's let's talk about the other two series because they were super exciting which one which one peaks your interest first my friend uh man i'm down to talk about the lakers and the grizz because I think that Dylan Brooks is getting a little bit of a bad rap in the media. Yes. Um, I think that he was playing the persona to do it and to, you know, try to you know, galvanize the group. And yes, it backfired in his face. He did poke, you know, the the biggest bear of them all. Um, but hey, man, it wasn't like specifically his fault that they didn't win. Um, the Lakers just had more and are deeper, better team. They've got LeBron. They've got AD. It's just, you know. It is what it is. The Grizzlies had too much going against them with drama and other things. And Brooks, look, 
He wasn't playing great in the series. He was trying to find a way to still be beneficial to his team, still provide something to his team. So we thought, hey, let's add the banter aspect to it. It's just, I, it's just, it's too funny, Matt, that the comment line will go from "I don't respect anyone until they give me 40" to then losing by 40, by 40 in the final game. Like, just the way that all lines up is too funny for me. But yeah, LeBron was him, and you know what, Anthony davis is here he may have had you know that weird game in the bubble again uh, no not in the bubble in the play-in against xavier tillman was it where he looked like yeah. a baby but anthony davis when he is on has looked like the best player on the basketball court by far it, he's been great defensively he's been in and out of it offensively um you're right though when he's locked in he's locked in i mean you think about game one against golden state and he was an absolute monster like golden state had no chance in that game because he takes it to them and he's just too big and too strong and they have no no answer for him so no anthony davis man great i feel bad for john and jaron jackson and the grizz but i mean maybe this will this will help humble them a little bit next year they come back and instead of being a loudmouth team they're just respectful and they, they get the job done I mean, it's still so funny to me that, like, this is the story, even though it still took those, like, three three-pointers in a row from D'Angelo Russell in Game 4, I think it was, that put the Lakers ahead in, in the series, where they were probably going to lose that game and they were probably going to be in trouble. But then certain things happen, right? Like, I was talking about how this series was really going to be defined not by LeBron. It was going to be defined by AD and by D'Angelo Russell. And we approved right there that, that they really stepped their game up. And this Grizzlies team, you know, if Brandon Clark was there, right, if they didn't have the injuries to Steven Adams as well, I think it's a different series. I think that the Lakers can still win it for sure. But you talk about how AD was a monster defensively and was less or so on the offensive board. A guy like Steven Adams can, can be better against that. Not having Jaron Jackson be in as much foul trouble as he was through the series by letting Brandon Clark come in changes a lot of things. But this is the NBA playoffs, man. You have to play with the cards that you're dealt. And again, it's LeBron James, and he knows what he's doing. And he had some absolutely monster performances in that series. No, I couldn't agree more with you that it would have been tighter if Brandon Clark and um, Stephen Adams were out on the court. But hey, you're you're doing with what you got, man. Like, could we say that the Kings win their series if De'Aaron Fox doesn't, you know, break his finger? Probably, because they looked really good, Kevin. I know. Kevin, so close. It it hurts me inside because there's so many moments in that series where if one little thing happens a different way, the Kings are the winners. Like there's there's so many little moments here or there. But in hindsight, looking back, this is what happens in the NBA playoffs against the best of the best. Championship pedigree takes you through in those moments, and we we saw that we saw that so much in this series. When you think about how much of a lead Sacramento almost had. You think about that game four, the fact that Golden State won by a single point, how they were this close winning. I'm sorry, if that game goes to the Kings, I don't I don't care. They win the series. But not even just that, when that game went where it did and the series got tied up, I almost knew it was over then, Matt. I almost knew it was done then, you know? Like you just could you feel know it. No, I, I 100% agree with you that that was their moment. Um, that when they had 10 seconds left on the clock, they had the ball that instead of trying to drive in for like a layup or like a, you know, a six foot jumper, 
they stayed out on the perimeter. Like, I understand Darren Fox was getting double teamed and, like, they were sending the house at him. But, like, get inside. Like, try to – like, he was – he looked like he was trying to dance for a three-pointer. Like, yeah. you don't need three, bro. You need two. Like, that's it. Like, you win the game with a two. Go get it. And they just didn't. And I that, you know, really opened the door for them. And, yeah, unfortunately, we got to listen to Draymond Green some more. It, so. it, it sucks, too, because I remember – I remember talking with Austin and I was talking about how, you know, yes, the Kings are down. It's it's 3-2 for the Warriors after game five. All Sacramento has to do is win the rebound game and they will win this series. And if you look at game six, they absolutely dominated on the rebound game. Yeah, they and did. they embarrassed Golden State at home. And that happened and I went, oh, no, don't embarrass them at home because what was the result? The result was an iconic Steph Curry game in Game 7. A unmatched, unparalleled type of performance from one of the greatest shooters that exists in this game. And the Kings, who have not experienced that before, have only ever experienced failure, they shrunk in the moment. They really did. And it was unfortunate and sad to see to have this amazing season fall flat. But I'm sorry, Clutch player of the year, coach of the year, executive of the year. This King season was incredible. And I hope that everyone, including the fans, will come out of it and remember that success. Look, like they can run this back and, and consider their season a success and, and push forward next year. And De'Aaron Fox like was awesome. And you're right, maybe the moment just got too big for him in game seven, especially with the hurt finger. And he did look like it got too big for him because in the beginning of that game, yep. they were awesome the first half of that game the kings were great and were right there with them and then just like you said the rebounding kevon looney comes out and he just like he he looked like prime wilt and sabonis (laughs) looked like a child he didn't know what he was doing it was it was bad man sabonis really really hurt them that series which is crazy because he was an all nba player this year if that was an nba finals kevon looney won finals mvp in that series for what he was capable to do you think about how the kings were down how the kings were (laughs) just hear me hear me again the kings were up 2-0 and game three was the kevon looney game he had like 22 yeah. rebounds in that game and was a monster yeah. inside. So yes, the Steph Curry gets it because obviously he closed on the 50-point game. But overall, man, he was so valuable in this series. And again, he's the type of player who is like the perfect role player for Golden State that they've just molded to do exactly what they need to do. It, it's kind of beautiful. He's like the 30 highest paid center, man. Like, But I would take him on the Raptors any day of the week doing what he does. Like. Oh. Absolutely. So yeah, you don't need the score. Rest in peace to the Kings. You know, I can't believe that like my teams that I'm rooting for now are the Nuggets and the Lakers because everyone else I love is out. But let's talk. Uh, are we through? Did we get through all the series? Did we yeah, talk yeah, Lakers? Yeah, we're so we're in the second round. All right. Yeah. Stay west. I mean, yeah. Let's stay. I want to talk about how the Nuggets are just going to absolutely all <laughs> rock the Suns. I mean, CP3 is out with a soft tissue injury. The Nuggets are taking this thing in five max. Five. KD is a bit of a fraud, and I only say that because, like, I don't even know, man. The Nuggets are just that good, I guess. Like, push yourself to dominate, man. Do something. Like, take more shots. Deal the ball. Like, I don't know. Be the best player on the planet. 
like because you've been considered that for a long time like everybody's yes when it was Giannis everybody also had the underlying comment of but I'd probably take Durant right you know <laughs> yeah no he has to step up he has to go Curry he has to go Curry-esque in this series for them to even have a chance Explosive. right yeah. and it's just it's just not happening man with the way that Aiton is completely seemingly like not there checked in standing under the basket while KD is fighting for rebounds for like four seconds. Like the team is like Devin Booker is going to do what he does. I don't expect them to get swept out. I don't expect them to not win a game in this series. When you think about the caliber of players they have, but with that being said, if it does happen, you know, it is what it is, man. Denver's that good right now. Yeah, and second year in a row, he'd get swept out of the playoffs. So pretty crazy for Kevin Durant. And, uh, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, but, man, AD was just a monster. Easy, easy win for the Lakers. They almost blew it, but easy win. Dude, (laughs) the only thing that I have to say about this series is that anyone who's been a fan of basketball the last 10 years, tune in to these games. Tune in and watch. Because we talked about how when LeBron left, we may never get to see the Curry, LeBron, Golden State, whatever team LeBron's on rivalry in the playoffs again. We got a nice little teaser, you know, last year in the play-in, but we have a seven-game series here between two of the greatest players of our generation, and they're playing at an extremely high level right now. The next few games in this series, regardless of the outcome, because I think the Lakers are going to take it, but I'm not going to talk about why or how or even put any numbers on it. But at the end of the day, the next few games in this series are going to be fantastic because of what it means for both of these guys. No, absolutely, man. And you're right. Like two years ago, Lakers eliminated Golden State in that playing game and LeBron got the better of him. But LeBron, in terms of like individual stats, always gets the better of Steph Curry. It's Steph Curry is insulated with the better team. Um, This year, I don't know if that's the case. Right. And... Steph Curry's definitely more in his prime than LeBron is in his prime. Like peak LeBron is is well, you know, past. It's gone. But peak Curry's still here, man. Like that 50-point game proves it. And so we'll see if, if Steph can will his team to the victory because I I think that he has the option to do it. And I definitely think that there's a chance. I just don't know how they're gonna stop Anthony Davis. Kevon right. Looney a little bit too slow to cover Anthony Davis and like Draymond Green is too small. Yeah, I know it's I get it. He's a great defender. Yeah. It's such an interesting series, right? I, I'm really looking forward to talking about where it stands, you know, this time next week. Um but like it's it's a legacy series, man. We're we're so For fortunate both, yeah. to get this type of series and you know, if they can, we might get a vintage game six clay if we're lucky. We didn't get to see it in the last series because Sacramento decided that game six didn't exist. It just was a giant blowout. But yeah, man, Golden State versus LeBron is always a pleasure to watch. And so I'm going to try to tune in for every game that I can. Oh, man, the, that's the worst part for me is that like they they start at 1030 some nights. And I'm just like, I can't just, get, uh, I can't stay awake. <laughs> I'm asleep at 10, bro. I'm old, okay? All right, well, let's, anyway. let's, let's switch to the East. Let's talk about the two series that, like, you know, one of the series that we, we can't really care about as Raptors fans, but we have to talk about that Boston, you know, Philly series. We, we intrinsically have to not like both of these teams. It's just how our <laughs> fan base works. Look, man, Joel Embiid is the MVP of the league. Sure, you can give it to him. He, you know, might have deserved it last year if you want. Whatever. It's a narrative vote, really, is what it is. That man 
is so bad for the league when Grant Williams, who is he six six? I don't he? think he is. He might be six four. Yeah. And you're seven foot two. And he has, you know, 30 to 50 pounds less than you in terms of weight. You can't be flopping around like that, man. You it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the league. And he does it on a consistent basis. Um, it disgusts me. I'm flat out. And I can't cheer for Boston. Well, I, I can cheer for Boston. I'll I'll cheer for Boston in the series because I can't do it with Philly, man. I can't do it with Embiid. He kills me. Like, you are the biggest, baddest dude on the court. Be that. Right. You act tough all the time. But then you flop around in the middle of the play. Just drive me up the wall. It hurts, right? And, you know, usually it's me over here spitting that Embiid slander the same way. But Matt got out of the way. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn a cord. Watching him be emotional with his team surrounding him to get that award was pretty sweet. The funny moment of James Harden gifting him a Rolex and him going, who's my first Rolex is kind of hilarious. But you know, as much as I rip on Embiid and yes, I can't like the way that he plays. He's, he's a dude from Cameroon who came out of nothing to be an absolute star in the NBA. So you got to give him his flowers for that. But man, insane that James Harden looks like the MVP in this series of their team when you think about what he did in game one and how they lost in game two. Wild. Absolutely, man. I mean, having 45 and outdoing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who had good games, and then Jason Tatum has a stinker and you guys lose with Joel Embiid. Like, it's a weird series to start, man. Um, it's almost as weird as Tom Thibodeau's decision to not attack a broken Jimmy Butler who clearly is injured because he sat out game two. This man could not walk. You see his ankle turn? That thing was 90 degrees. Your ankle should not look like that, okay? Well, and reports were that it was like, like the second the game was over back in the locker room, he had like a tennis ball for an ankle type of situation. Like, I bet. Yeah, that's like a, is that like a Thibodeau respect moment? Just like, you know, Jimmy absolutely threw me under the bus in, in uh, Minnesota. I'm going to just not going to anger the bear. Like, I, I don't know I what don't the know, Knicks man. were thinking. It man, was because dumb. If you paid attention to that first round series in Miami, Miami, there's two things that matter, okay? it's If Miami can hit their open three-point shots, that's life, right? But also, it's Jimmy Butler. You stop Jimmy Butler, you let them hit their three-point shots. Because remember, Tyler Hero's got a broken hand, so there's one last three-point shooter. I don't know what the next were. They were the man. worst three-point shooting team in the league, and they're the best three-point shooting team in the playoffs. Like, it's... It's nuts, man. But I love it. you know, they, they got the win in game two the next did without the Jimmy Butler heat. So we'll see how game three shakes out. But I think I think the Knicks have a really, really good shot with this Jimmy Butler injury. I mean, I texted you immediately yeah. being like, Oh, they're done when I saw that injury. Um, I just I think the Knicks have a really, really good shot to get to the conference finals. I just don't see them making it past that. I mean, they have lost home court advantage. So that sucks. But also, you were a fifth seed who has home court in the second round. So you know what? <laughs> eh, it is what it is, right? Like, it's definitely, I think, the most interesting you can series. You can, you can, yeah, you can. I think it's the most no. interesting series of the four. I do. Golden State versus the Lakers, man. Look, that's that, way more interesting. That's, a, that's, that's not part of the series. Is no, no, the hold, Eastern hold, Conference Final. Hold like, on. What hold, are you hold, talking about? You're right. I made a mistake. Golden State and the Lakers should be put over here. Because it's it's it doesn't deserve to be compared to the other three series. Okay, my apologies. Of the four, bro. But of the <laughs> of the of the other series, because like man, 
Nuggets are going to win against the Suns. Boston, Philly, I just don't want to watch because I don't care for these teams. So for Boston me, should win. But Bo- yes, should win. Boston should win. Like it, so I look at be close. I look at Miami and I look at Knicks as the nobody expected either of these teams to be here. So nobody really knows what the what the result is going to be, and so it could be a coin flip either way. But I think it should be some good basketball because the Knicks have that dog in them. Unfortunately, Jimmy's injured, so Miami's eh, less or so now. You, it's funny you say like good basketball, but then I like <laughs> I think about watching the game and I'm like these rosters are good and like the basketball is mediocre like they struggle to score points like both teams struggle mightily and i think to myself like we couldn't be here we couldn't have gotten into the playoffs like we lost to demar Derozan's daughter screaming like uh, I frustration believe, i believe the words i used matt were interesting not good basketball i want to i want to pref- i want to pre- i want to say that again just to just so that all right it's, all right so it's out fair. there into the that's world fair. but i mean we didn't we didn't we didn't talk about awards this week but not much really to say obviously we'd mentioned that joel got his mvp uh, i don't know if we touched on laurie and his mip no but happens. he deserved it yeah, exactly and yeah. then paolo runaway rookie of the year obvious uh, I mentioned it, I think, with Brogdon getting sixth man a couple weeks ago. So happy that that, that came through. And then the last one, you know, executive you of the year. About it. The Kings GM. Of course, he's executive of the year. He's probably the guy who came up with the light the beam. Whoever came up with light the beam should be the executive of the year. Just give that award to that person. Because, like, by far the best decision of any fan base, of any of any franchise this year. Yeah, man. No, it was, it was good. Um, you want to do a, a hot take, Mystic Prediction? I think I think yeah we can roll it out of here now. I'm not touching series anymore because I can't win a series call. All right, I keep saying things and the other team loses, so I'm gonna stick game by game basis. Golden State Lakers tonight. So many people will be tuning in. This is a massive game. Golden State almost has to, almost has to win it, and so I see a classic Curry coming out, even the series at one one. LeBron's taking the night off and relaxing. You know what, man? I don't agree with it, but I can see it. Um, for me, I'm going uh, Nuggets in Boston are going to be the final. I think Denver is going to make it, and I think Boston's going to make it out of the East. And I, I'm going to call the finals right now. Um, I you know, would have called it last week, but we had some technical difficulties. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it for me, man. I think uh, Denver-Boston, I think that's a pretty good series. And to anyone who's been listening in the past few weeks, Matt doesn't have to say who he thinks is going to be win because if you've been listening, you know who his answer is going to be between the two of them. But yes, that's it. So thanks everybody for being here this week. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.